Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer. And welcome to Thriving at Work, a Worker Being podcast. You can learn more about us on our website, workerbeing.com, or on social media, or you can support our community. You can find out more about our community at workerbeing.com slash community. So today, we're going to be talking about sustainable employment. So my question is kind of a boring question, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Like, If you were to define what makes work sustainable for you personally, how would you define it? Hmm. That's a very good question. Um, what makes work sustainable for me? So I'm thinking about, I know we talked about age and retirement in a recent episode, and I'm kind of thinking about this as like, what makes you want to keep going at work in the long haul? And I think mm -hmm. it's probably, I might cheat and say two things. I think it's probably <laughs> people. Like, I think that there are a lot of really awesome people. I mean, I know a reason people don't find work sustainable is also people, but I think in every job that I've had, there's been a person that when I left it or people when I've left it, that I've been sad. And so that means I think that part of what, makes work sustainable for me is going through it with other people and feeling like you can kind of have build those relationships. And then I guess the other thing would be like accomplishing stuff that you're proud of, which I don't think happens frequently, but when it does happen, I feel like it's always a reminder of like, oh, this is why like you put in the time and energy on the days when things aren't so great because sometimes this is what happens. So I think that's what makes work sustainable for me. What about for you? Yeah, I think that's a good one. I like that. Um, for me, I think it's, there's probably a component of liking what I'm doing, like liking the actual work itself. And the, I like the people thing you said, like that just keeps coming back to me because I do agree with you. Like when there are people that I, you know, care about in some way at the company, um, people that I want to do right by if you will right mm -hmm. like I don't want to let them down what have you um I think that's a motivator for sure um but I think the biggest one is liking the work and knowing that I have the ability to say no mm -hmm. yeah so kind of like autonomy as well I guess you're saying like I enjoy mm -hmm. it I like maybe you have some ability to like do something that you like but also like you feel like you're able to do it on your do stuff you like kind of on your own terms to the extent possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Autonomy. I mean, that's obviously we've talked about autonomy before yes. because it is super important. So, um, I'm glad you made that connection for me because that's <laughs> totally it. I think that's really it. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, that's interesting that you're saying that because you've worked remotely for so many years and I think that might be part of why you enjoy mm -hmm. doing that so much. Cause that's something that's really valuable to you. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I do love working remote and, and I do think one of the biggest values of working remotely is that you have a lot of autonomy and flexibility in your life. Um, and even then you can still get overworked and what have you, but, um, I feel like there's a little bit more of a barrier between you and work when you are remote. Um, mm -hmm. and that way it's, it can be positive. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that that makes a lot of sense and also aligns with probably why, uh, I mean, I really enjoy doing what we do too, but it's also like having a, uh, like, uh, you know, side gig as it would be with us doing worker being also provides a lot of autonomy. So that's cool mm -hmm. as well. Um, 
Good point. Yeah. Yes, so, I will not be micromanaging you. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, we are uh, very good at being uh, independent um, in our in our thinking and in our ways while we are joined together as well. But anyway, um, so what are so I want to hear what they consider sustainable um, work, and I would be really curious to hear kind of what the takeaways are for our article today. Yeah. So um, just quick shout out to the author. So it's actually a Polish last name. So I'm going to say Rochinevska is the ma- the first author at all. This is a new article about the sustainable employment. And so the first takeaway is just defining it because I think it's really important to understand what sustainable employment is. Mm-hmm. Um, so sustainable em- employment is basically a condition in which employees can continuously work productively while maintaining their health and well-being. So it's both you're being productive, you're working hard, but you're also healthy, you're able to do what you need to do to take care of your health, and your that well-being is high. And the way they define those things, just as an FYI, like productivity is what you would think, right? It's performance, work quality, etc. Health is both physical and mental health, but well-being is really well-being at work. So kind of what we just talked about, like being happy in your job, committed to the company, things like that. Like if you're, those three components need to be high in order for you to have a sustainable employment. Okay. So I think that's actually really interesting for people listening that, uh, you know, it, it resonates some with some of the research that we've been doing too, as a little preview. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that makes some sense. And, um, you know, thinking about those different subcomponents, I think that that resonates with what people often think about as, um, as wellness, but they're sort of laying it out more specifically, which I like because it draws attention to the importance of those components for employers to think about too, which I'm guessing may be part of uh, some of your other takeaways. Yes, exactly. So the thing to know about takeaway one is that there's like a special emphasis on employees being able to contribute over time because they're maintaining their wellness. The second takeaway is that if you're provided with good job resources, so being able to you know have the things you need to do your job well, it impacts productivity and it also impacts well-being at work. So having the resources you need is super important. Takeaway three is that there's actually more support for having the right resources, improving your productivity and well-being than having um, too many demands hurting your productivity and well-being, mm. if that makes sense. So so basically like giving more resources is better. Um, workload is obviously a problem. If workload is much too high, then that kind of goes counter to this. But really it's less about giving people more demands and more about giving them the right resources. Okay. So um, that's really, really interesting. Um, and I'll be curious to hear what resources um, they count or that they see as particularly important for making sure that people can support wellness in those areas over time. Um, but I think that even more kind of, uh, I guess the focus of that is that the positive is more positive than the negative is negative. Right. Um, and so exactly. really dedicating your energy to making sure that people have access to good stuff. Maybe if you had to pick between the two, a better selection than trying to spend your time getting rid of bad stuff. Exactly. Yes. And then the final takeaway. So the fourth takeaway here is that there's actually no contradiction between what improves productivity and what improves well-being. Hmm. So 
Basically, if employers focus on sustainable employment um, overall, like it's going to impact both the employee's performance, productivity, and their wellness. So it all comes down to resources, which I can talk about in a second exactly what they mean here. But the resources are really, really critical. And having the right resources makes people feel good, makes them able to maintain their health better. And it also makes them more productive employees. Cool. So if you're like listening to this, which you probably wouldn't be listening to this if you felt this way, but if you know someone who's like a grumpus about wellness and is always like, well, this is a, (laughs) this is a business. Like, why should we be focused on wellness? Like we need to be focused on doing the best thing we can for the business itself. And like, that's what I care about. Like, I guess the takeaway here is good news. They're actually the same conversation. Exactly. Yep. Cool. Okay. So that's, awesome. that's the cool part about this. So it's, I mean, super straightforward takeaways, I would say here. Um, we can dive into that a little bit further, but I think exactly what you're saying is right. If leaders, employers really focus on providing their correct resources to employees and their teams, they're going to be winning all over the place because they're going to have that better productivity. And then the employee is also going to have that big win of, you know, being able to take care of themselves better. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, well, first of all, sustainable employment. I think it's obvious that we know that if you're able to maintain your health and well-being, that's like a big win. That's a good thing. Um, And then that also will allow employees to be able to be productive over a long period of time, right? So instead of coming in to an organization, an employee comes in and they get, you know, burnt out really fast and they can no longer be productive. Even if they're still employed by you, their productivity is going to tank. So it's actually really important to keep focus on both the productivity, but also the wellness so that they can continue to be, you know, good employees, good team members for the long haul. And we know that when you don't have sustainable employment, it can lead to obviously bad health for employees. Um, But they specifically called out some research that talked about societal costs. So like there was some research in the EU countries where like pension systems are burdened because people have to retire earlier. Um, You know, health systems can be burdened, et cetera, because employment um, and that in you know, certain sectors were not sustainable. So it's not just going to impact the employee and the company, but it can have much broader societal impacts too. Yeah. I feel like uh, there have been times where we have discussed this in our um, sessions as well. Like think about the responsibility that companies have to put people back into society after they're done with their day of work who are energized and feeling good and can contribute to their communities and their families. And versus the idea of putting, you know, people into the community who are just like depleted and exhausted and don't have that level of like vitality in their lives that that can really create some issues and problems for the societal level of, you know, how actually productive we can be as people in and out of work. Um, And I know we've mentioned that in our sessions as well, um, that we lead through worker being is thinking about like the responsibility that companies have to creating more thriving just worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It's not just, you know, the whole like social corporate responsibility thing, right? It's not just about what you're doing within the company, but what is the impact that's broader? And I mm-hmm. think I think more and more leaders are thinking about that and hopefully um, that will create much better, more sustainable employment. Yeah, totally. 
So in terms of those job resources, so I talked about how job resources really are the important piece here. Um, but the caveat being workload, right? If people have way too much work, it doesn't matter how many resources you provide, unless there are more people to do more work, right. it's not going to be helpful. Um, so workload is the one caveat, but the biggest thing, the biggest help is resources. So I guess in some ways people would be a resource, but the resources they talk about in this paper. So just so you know, like they're looking across tons of papers, right? So this is a systemic review of other papers that they've kind of are synthesizing here. So what they are talking about when they talk about resources are things like um, autonomy. So being able to make, I mean, I mentioned autonomy. That's weird. I didn't even think about that yeah. earlier. <laughs> um, so autonomy. So being able to make your own decisions, um, being able to kind of figure out how you want to do your work. Um, they talk about control and empowerment, which is really like your influence, being able to participate in decision-making at more senior levels, um, being able to be empowered to speak up, things like that. They talk about justice, um, so meaning that things are fair as a resource, so having good leadership, having opportunities for advancement and learning and development. Uh, they talk about social capital, which is basically a positive work environment with high quality relationships and trust, collaboration, cooperation. And then they talk about social support. So having support from the people around you. So kind of getting to what you were talking about, like the people having support from your team leaders, your colleagues, um, coworkers, you know, other people around you are supporting you. So that those are the, the key resources they called out. Yeah. So it seems like they kind of have a lot of resources that they called out kind of varied. Mm -hmm. Um, did they get into tips for how to build those resources at all? Or uh, do they group them together at all in like ways where they help people to kind of like focus their energy? It feels like there's there's quite a few that they're focused on. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. So if you were to rank order, the first thing to focus on is leadership. Hmm. So positive leadership practices are the most beneficial across the board. So if you have leaders that are not you know, creating safe environments that people don't like, there's problems with your leaders, that's where you should focus. So as a company, focus on your leadership. If you're a leader, focus on how you can make sure that you're doing things effectively as a leader. Are you providing good feedback? Are you giving people safe spaces? Are you giving, you know, equitable treatment to people, giving people opportunities for development, all of that. So leadership kind of encompasses a lot of it mm -hmm. um, and is the, the biggest one. So if you look across the research, that's the biggest driver. The second area is around the social piece. So they talk about social capital and social support. And then the third is learning and development. So if you were to rank order, start with making your leaders more effective in this, giving, like being there for their people, being able to, you know, be high quality leaders so that people can then um, come to them with challenges, come to them if they need to take time away because of health issues, what have you, right, are able to support their overall employee experience then try to build a culture where that just that feeds off of the leaders to the coworkers to create positive collaborative supportive environments and then make sure you're giving people opportunities to grow yeah that's Those super helpful things. that's super helpful because I think starting with the leaders is a really good insight because I feel like companies often think that the more you climb the leadership ranks, the worse you're expecting your job to be or the like, well, you know, you get paid more than other people or you have a higher title. So you need to manage more 
crap than people at lower <laughs> levels. And while there may be greater responsibilities and more stressful tasks that people have to do as they take on those responsibilities, the idea that you really need to make sure that your leaders are experiencing wellness themselves, checking in with them, making sure that they're able to role model these things, it sounds like, that they're able to really mm -hmm. um, have the generative resources to pass on to other people on their team seems like kind of a no-brainer, but I also see in a lot of companies that they don't start there. They kind of go the opposite way. Like, well, yeah, you're a leader, so your life is not supposed to be as great, but we'll focus on the masses to make sure that people, those people are doing well. Whereas like this is kind of making the opposite case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's start with those leaders, get them okay, <laughs> get them healthy and help them know how to then put that on other people, right? How to create an environment that they're going to be doing well um, and not starting. Yeah. If you start at the employee level, it's a lot harder because employees don't have the same influence, right? So if you can get your leaders to a place where they're like, wow, I feel good. I'm um, able to work and maintain my health. Then hopefully I would hope most of those leaders would then want to give that back to their teams, right? And just continue this trickle down. Um, and then they're going to learn those positive leadership behaviors. So if we have the most senior leaders really practicing this, then their leaders are going to learn from that. And then their managers are going to learn from that. And then the employees are going to learn from that, right? So they're all going to be able to kind of create this environment where we then go from those positive leadership practices to then also really supportive coworkers and colleagues. Um, and you'll be in a good place. So I think it's, yeah, I agree. It's not, don't start with the masses, start with the leaders. You're never going to be able to make a change if you want your employees to be the one driving their own sustainable work. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a super useful takeaway. And obviously the other stuff that you mentioned from the social support and the learning and development and justice and the other things that you mentioned are also important, but I think it's cool to understand, um, where, if I, if I'm strapped, where to, where to spend my time. Yeah, of course. I think it's a think definitely useful. I think, again, this is a really simple story here. It's all about just give people resources that they need and help them be, which will help them be most, both most more productive and also healthier and more well at work. And then you're going to be in a really good position. So just thinking through as an employer, as a leader, thinking through how can you um, kind of shift the script. If you're in a situation where work isn't sustainable, people are working really long hours, their workloads are too high, they don't have the resources, they don't have the support from people around them, how can you start to make a change? And, you know, I know we talked about gratitude a lot in um, the work that we've done in the podcasts in the back in the day around like how gratitude is contagious. A lot of times support can be contagious too, right? So if you're going to be that type of leader or that type of coworker that is doing things for others and like really being supportive of them, that's going to make that person then want to be supportive back to you. And then you're going to kind of create this chain of positivity that can kind of help create a more sustainable environment for everybody. Yeah. And it's interesting because some of the components that we discussed up front, right? Um, have to do with, you know, people being in an environment where you're provided resources, which I would imagine, and I know from your experience um, as well, in terms of thinking about the autonomy and flexibility piece, that was also because the leaders around you did that and practiced that and had mm -hmm. the ability to do that too. So it feels like what we shared at the beginning resonates quite a bit with um, some of the findings that are here. 
Um, if you're finding yourself in an environment where you are seeing either that this is not on people's radar at all, or you're seeing that people are spending a lot of time, you know, like the phrase, like putting out fires, like a lot of managers and senior leaders will be like, oh, well, you know, I spend a lot of my day putting out fires. Um, and this is kind of suggesting that it's better to kind of like, I don't know what analogy. It's better to plant <laughs> flowers than to put out fires. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> sure. I don't know exactly what that means, but okay. It makes sense in my mind. Um, so, but like, I feel like people do spend a lot of time um, and they'll say like, well, I don't have time to focus on learning and development. I don't have time to get to know my employees. I don't have time to take care of myself um, because all I'm doing all day is putting out fires. So if you're finding yourself in a position where it's sort of like a get rid of barriers culture or a place where this is not on folks' radar at all, what would you suggest people do to kind of flip the narrative around on that? Yeah, that's a great question because like one of my favorite takeaways from this paper is just that there's no contradiction between what improves productivity and well-being. Like that is like a line in the paper. Um, so this putting out fires culture, this I don't have time for this, I don't have time for that. Those things, all that you're doing is adding busy work and then you're going to be busier because you're doing all this stuff, but you're exhausted. You're not replenishing your resources. You're not doing okay. So you're just busy, 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 but you're actually not more productive if you had worked a normal schedule and normal hours in an environment that wasn't um, on fire constantly. So I would say kind of depends on who you are, right? If you're a leader and this is happening, I would say take a moment, take stock of what's going on and try to identify that root cause. Like why is everything on fire all the time? Is it because we've planned really poorly? Is it because we don't have the resources to do the things that we want to do? Um, what is the, the cause and how can you fix that? So if it is that, you know, we're not planning well, you know, it'll be better for your productivity if you just pause and start and spend a week planning and what priorities are first and what do you need to focus on right now and what can you focus on later? That I think is going to make a big difference. If it's a, if the root cause is um, the fact that you don't have enough resources, well, look back and see what kind of resources do you need? Do you need better tools? Do you need more people? Is it the fact that people just don't have autonomy and so they're kind of sitting back and so then now people have to, you know, kind of dictate what people do instead of giving people the opportunity to do what they need to do right on their own? Like, what are the reasons why you're seeing um, these challenges? So as a leader, I think that's really, really crucial. If you're an employee and you're in an environment where everything's on fire all the time, what I would recommend is try to find some support within the environment. So maybe your leader isn't the person, but maybe there's a colleague, a coworker, a peer at a different team, somebody that you can find as a social support. So at least you've got someone out there and that social support would be considered a job resource that could hopefully help you feel a little bit better and figure out your, you know, how to work through some of this stuff. Um, so I think that would be my the first step if you're an employee is think about your social support and what you can do to kind of improve that since that's probably where you have the most control. Yeah, I think those are great tips. And I think that it's always, it's always, you know, this, this idea of uh, quiet quitting, right? Like I know that employers mm -hmm. are seeing that people are leaving, but that's not always an option. And so you have to 
think about how to influence the environment that you're in and try to build some of these resources for yourself or influence people who are responsible for those resources in a way that they might move the needle forward. Um, and I think you're right, like it really does help that performance goals align with wellness goals. So even if you get somebody who is focused seemingly solely on that or doesn't care at all about wellness, this is not counter to an argument mm -hmm. that would benefit them. You might not even mention wellness at all. You might just say, I read this article that talks about how to increase productivity. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that that's, uh, I think that that's a really um, positive set of takeaways. Um, I really, really love this article. I think it's super relevant to what organizations need to hear right now and will definitely help people to solve some of the problems um, that they may be experiencing in their organizations with employees asking for better work um, and, and jobs that really respect that. So um, is there anything else that you think we should know about the article before we uh, sign off here? No, I don't think so. I think just remember that what helps you be better as an employee at work also helps you be better in your health and your wellness. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. Thanks all for listening. Really um, appreciate having you here. Hopefully you learned something. We thought this was a good article. If you have any questions for us, if you ever want to reach us, you can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can find us on our website, workerbeing.com or on social media. And as always, you can join our community or support our work um, at workerbeing.com slash community. Thanks for listening. Thriving at Work is hosted by us, Dr. Patricia Grabarek and Dr. Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Thank you.